Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood, tips and tricks, products we love, and brands that we can't live without. Let's get into it. Hello, Gigi. Oh, no. What oh. we do? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Gigi. I'm thinking, what? Where's Gigi? I literally looked behind me. Like, I know you can't see me, but I literally <laughs> turned around and looked behind me to see where she was. She's asleep. Still confuses me that you've called her Gigi, which is what I called you for two years before she came along. <laughs> you gave me the idea. We just Hello. had to fit in a longer name around it. How are, How are you? you? Oh, I'm fine. Yeah. I find yeah, I'm yeah, I'm all good. I went out for a run today. I've got over Flygate. And oh my god, how's your eye? No, it's fine now. Literally two days of antibiotics and some eye drops, and it's you know it's a lot better now. So it's all good. <laughs> the things that happen in lockdown. I know. What the hell? How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. I've had a, a really mad day, actually. I um, I had a healing session with Caroline Britton. You know, we had her on the podcast about two weeks yeah. ago. So I, I've had the most incredible experience with her. And anybody that wants to unlock some stuff from their past that's maybe holding them back. I mean, I was sobbing for like an hour and a half. And I did this guided meditation where I found my inner child. And oh, my God. I mean, I've got so much. I've got, I, I'm a bit of a, I, 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 people think I'm all right, but I'm a bit of a head case, really. Um, and all this stuff about my mum came up. And I mean, it was just incredible. Amazing. I've never done anything like that. So I might maybe I'll speak to Caroline and see if oh, I might be able to chat to her. I'm going to be singing her singing her praises from the rooftop because it was a really special morning. Um, but, you know, just, just other than that, we did hill sprints this morning. They were disgusting. Oh, that sounds lovely. And a few days ago, we had a really amazing conversation, didn't we, around the Black Lives Matter campaign, which is obviously sort of, sort of since about, what, 10 days ago? We've been wanting to do yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a conversation that we we've had between ourselves of how do we bring up um the topic of race to like particularly Axel and um, Luna but it's just about having you know feeling confident to have those conversations with the kids and how do we actually go about doing that yeah I mean where to start I think we feel 
both of us feel quite uneducated that we haven't probably well we definitely haven't done enough and you know there's no point in beating ourselves up about what we have and haven't done in the past it's about how we change the future and how we really start introducing our children to um different colors different cultures you know all that kind of stuff so we, we going forward on the podcast there'll be a lot more diversity we're going to get a lot more kind of uh, people with from different backgrounds and we're really going to make that a, a sort of focal point as well as everything else kind of weaving it in and out it has absolutely to yeah, yeah I mean it's something we've been trying to do for a while yes. but I think this is probably a bit of a kick up the bum to yeah. get on with it yeah definitely yeah. so um today we're chatting to somebody who is a real voice in this arena uh she is a, a divorce and family barrister she's also like a BBC expert voice um across loads of telly and radio uh today we're chatting to Paula Roan Adrian So here we are, another podcast in lockdown, and today is a very special day. Um, obviously, the world has changed dramatically in the last 10 days since uh, Blackout Tuesday, since the death of um, the very tragic death of George Floyd. And um, I think we've all had a bit of an awakening, especially Georgia and I with this platform. We were proud of um, the diversity that we had in terms of the different voices and the different backgrounds but we very much felt after everything started last Tuesday that we wanted to have a really raw and honest conversation about race so we are feeling quite uneducated currently but we know at the end of this podcast we're both going to be feeling uh, a lot more on top of things today we are joined by a divorce and family barrister her name is Paula Roan Adrian she's a mum of three um, she is an expert voice in this area and she's just written a really fantastic piece for The Voice um, about how to talk to our children about racism so let's welcome Paula to the podcast hello Oh, Yay! hi, Zoe. Hi, JJ. Yay! Yay! Thank you so excited to have you on. We're really, oh. really excited. I've just read your article, actually. I, I read it a little while ago, but I just wanted to remind myself of it. Oh, um, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> where I think, do we start? Yeah, I think, I think both of us kind of want to start with saying, obviously, like, welcome and thank you for kind of kicking off the new direction of the podcast. Georgia and I, um, I think are carrying we talked about this didn't we in the in the in the chat that we had on the phone a little bit of shame around the fact that we feel quite uneducated we are actively yeah. anti-racist both of us but we haven't had those conversations with our children about race and for whatever reason that just hasn't been part of our parenting which I feel quite yeah. embarrassed about so we really want to change that and get your views on how we can really start educating our kids yeah definitely I mean I think Zoe and I've both there's both there's been instant instances for both of us where we've pulled other people up on you know racist behavior any anything like that we've we feel confident doing ourselves but for some reason we've never had these conversations with our children mm. um and I guess we just don't know where to start well, ladies, I first of all want to start by saying that this discussion cannot be one that is based on either feelings of embarrassment or shame, because that is what has kept us from having this discussion for so long. Yeah. Um, I have been sharing with my friends like over the last, obviously, 10 days, um, why I haven't spoken about incidences where I have suffered racism. So they've read the articles that I've written recently and, and, and heard me on the radio. And they're saying to me, my white friends are saying to me, 
I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that happened. Why didn't you tell me? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why I didn't say anything. I just, I just didn't. I just got on. You know, so I carry embarrassment. I carry shame that stopped me from feeling that I could express myself. Now, I know if I had done, my friends would have, you know, huddled me, hugged me, you know, yeah. sympathised with me, etc. And yet I still didn't. And so the point is we all have to challenge ourselves. We yeah. all have to look into, you know, inside ourselves and ask ourselves about what is it that we want to do and we want to achieve out of this horrific killing. Yeah. And, and you, you, you've sort of spoken about you've had people shouting, you know, racial slurs at you in the street. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, probably about two years ago, so not that long ago, um, I was stood right outside the Royal Courts of Justice on the Strand. And if anyone knows it, it's uh, on a very busy road in central yeah. London. And you're stood in the middle of the road because it's so big, it's split by two different pedestrian crossings. And I was stood in the middle and I was waiting to cross to the other side of the road. And this white van was sitting in the in the traffic. And as they drove past, they shouted out the N-word nice, loudly and clearly. And I looked around because I was like, well, who are they talking to? <laughs> and realised that obviously I, I was the only one of colour, on, on, you know, and so they were talking to me. And as I was looking around, I was also very conscious that the other people who were stood there, they just all put their heads down. And I know that they were mortified, but, yeah. you know, what, what could, more could they say? What more could they do? And so, you know, across the road as the van went past and went to work and that was it. And I never told anyone uh, that that happened to me that day. I never, you know, I never said anything to anyone. I, I, I just got on, on with it. And, you know, even very recently, I was um, uh, going to court on two separate occasions and I went into the barrister's robing room. We have a separate room where we can wait or we can have our conferences and negotiate. Yeah. And on two separate occasions, uh, white men came up to me and said, oh, you do know that you shouldn't be in here, don't you? You do know that it's for barristers only and that oh my God. need to wait outside. And I was oh like, my God. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> and ladies, I know you can't see me at the moment, but I'd like to think I look fairly smart. And, you know, I was carrying all the accoutrements that one would expect a barrister to have. And yet, not only did they feel confident and comfortable enough to challenge me yeah. in that way, do you know what I mean? But they also felt that they should, that they should come up to me and say that I, I shouldn't be in this room. Now, these men obviously are educated. Obviously, yeah. you'd like to think had a certain level of intelligence mm. and would no doubt at some point in their career have represented a person of colour. Yeah. Now, now, how can that person do that to the best of their ability if they have already assumed that you are inferior to them? That's actually scary. It's really scary that that is happening like now. And I mean, I know, I know, I know it does, but it's it's actually petrifying, especially in you know those situations. Um, you know, people with a lot of power as well. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, what, what do you think is going on, or has been going on in our society? To, I mean, uh, I can only speak from my own experience, but I, the I felt like it was what I was doing and how I was behaving and how I was talking about race was fine. So I didn't feel like I had to do anything. And I've realized in the last 10 days that this isn't about me at all. This is about yeah. the bigger picture, that the conversations need to be opened up. So do you think people have been going through life 
just thinking, well, I know I'm not a racist, so I don't need to do anything. I think that's really the crucial point here, Zoe, that you've picked on here. And for me, I always reference not only the George Floyd killing, but I also reference an incident that happened on the very same day. And it was an incident between an Amy Cooper and a Cameron Cooper. And you might not know about this incident, but this is the one where Amy Cooper, who was a white female, she was in the park in New York, and she'd let her dog go off leash. And Cameron Cooper, who was a black gentleman, said, please, can you put your dog back on the leash? I'm a, I'm a twitcher. I'm a bird watcher. You know you're not supposed to. And an argument ensued. And he started to tape the argument because she said to him, I am threatening you. I am going to ring the police and I'm going to tell them that I'm being threatened by an African-American. And what she then did was she actually got on her phone and pretended that she was doing it. And she said, oh, I'm being threatened by an African-American male. Oh, God. Oh, he got this on camera. And of course, it went viral. And the reason why I clapped my hands when I saw this was because it is this very type of microaggressive racist bullying that black people deal with every day. Now, I am certain that if you saw Amy the day before in the office, yeah. she'd have been having a sandwich with one of her black colleagues or she'd have been at the wine bar. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and would have said to you, I've got loads of black friends or, you know, I socialise all the time with black people. I'm not a racist. Mm. But here we have this person, you know, caught off guard. And this is this is the difficult conversation, ladies, that we need to have with ourselves. Yep. You know, yeah. I'm not racist. I would never say that. I would never do that. Okay, well, do you think that, um, for example, that all black people have rhythm? Or do you think, for example, that all Jewish people are good with money? Or do you yeah. think, for example, you know, we could go on. But yeah. <laughs> do, yeah. do, do you know what I mean? You know? Yeah. And it's this kind of, embedded stereotypical systemic racism that exists in all of us yeah that we have to challenge now and be prepared to make ourselves uncomfortable and have these uncomfortable discussions because do yeah. you feel that you could have this do you feel oh Paula is isn't it true that all black people have rhythm then because I, I I didn't know that do you feel comfortable to say that to me no no but you have, but but that's how we learn. Yeah, you know. And if you if you know that you can have that conversation with me, and Paula's not going to be insulted because, well, I, I don't know. I'm asking you, Paula, is it true? Yeah, that's what yeah. this debate is going to be have to be. Yeah, about. I see your point actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, Zoe and I, particularly like over the last ten days and on social media, I think. There's been a lot of calling out, which absolutely in some cases is probably the right thing to do. But I think also people are really afraid to stand up and say what they think or say, you know, ask the questions because fear of getting it wrong. Yes. And saying the wrong thing. And I think that is something we really want to address because, you know, not every, no one in the in the world is perfect and no one is going to ever get something 100% right and especially when they're learning about it so there are going to be mistakes and I think we've got to be really kind to ourselves and you know know that we might make mistakes we might occasionally say the wrong thing by mistake and just out of you know complete just not being educated yes yeah. but we have to try 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I think this is, is what, you know, as I said, I hope that we can get from, from all of this. I hope that, you know, those marches that have been taking place all around the world, I hope we get to a point now where, you know, racism is on the table as a, as a discussion, as a debate that can be had by everybody, you know, and, and those kind of questions where, oh, but I thought, I thought it was natural for, for black men to run the fastest. You know, what, if you have that view, am I surprised? No. Yeah. Because, because you've grown up, if you've grown up in that particular era, of since 1980, only seeing black men winning Olympic gold in yeah. the 100 metres. Yeah, so. Yeah. If you have that view, I, I, I can't say to you, uh, ask me about it. But hang on, don't ask me about it because you're worried I might call you racist. Ask me about it. What, why else wouldn't you have that view? Yeah. And yeah. this is why I'm saying it's the responsibility of all of us to challenge ourselves. Yeah. So kind of moving, moving it on to our little ones, um, there's been an image going around on social media of a, uh, a lady on a, sitting on a train holding a baby and that baby, uh, a, sorry, a white woman with her, with, her, with her baby holding her hand out and touching a black man's hand and it, underneath it it says, none of us are born racist. So, so if we're not born racist, what happens to us or what doesn't happen to us by the conversations that our parents are having or not having um, or what we're consuming on the media in those years because I asked my stepdaughter whether she went to, whether she had any um, uh, black friends at school, any friends of colour. And she turned around to me and went, no, I don't think so. She wasn't saying it because she didn't have any. She was saying it because I think she didn't see the difference between black and yeah. white. Yes, yes. I totally, totally understand. Uh, you're absolutely right when you opened with that description about racism. I say it constantly. Racism is not innate. Hate is not innate. We are not born automatically hating somebody because of what they look like it is learned and that is why it can be unlearned forgive yeah. my poor grammar um so you know and when we look at children and and, and focusing now on children um i know that that, that you have uh, toddlers i have a toddler as well um and what you have to understand is is that already that child is picking up the subconscious messages about who they are, what they look like, and where they fit into the community. And let me give you an example. So, you know, when my little man was at nursery, I can tell when all my children have been through nursery, I can tell when they've had that, what does my family look like session in nursery? Because all I get is, mummy, I've got brown skin and you've got dark brown skin and daddy's got white skin and Ganga's, well, my mum has got dark, dark brown skin. You know, on it will go. They will tell me about what everybody looks like and what their yeah. hair looks like and et cetera. And interestingly, at that small age, what I've noticed is that I have found that it's the children of um, who are from, you know, white British descent who struggle because they can never find the colouring pencil that matches mummy's colour or daddy's yeah. colour yeah uh, whereas my children there's lots of different brown pencils and grey <laughs> pencils yeah, and black pencils, yeah. they're fine do you know what I mean so interesting it's at that age that I think uh, I have noticed that there's a, a, a difference for the children but don't think children don't notice colour they do right. now yeah. whether they care about it or not 
is another matter. And that's where we step in as parents to kind of understand that. I, uh, one of my best friends I'm, uh, is white and I'm a, the, her son's godparent. Up until he was seven, we had this little thing where he would call me mummy and, and believe that I was his mum just as, mom as, uh, as much as his mother was his mum. He didn't understand the difference. And one day he went to school and he got in a lot of trouble and they said, we're going to have to call your mum. And he turned to the teacher and said, oh, call her. You know, I don't care. I don't mind. You're not going to get her. She's at work. And the teacher was like, well, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Of, co- of course I know where she is. I'm going, to, I'm going to go and get her. So off the teacher went to get the mum and brought the mum back. And the uh, teacher said to the son, why, why would you say that? I wouldn't be able to find your mum. I, I, I know where she is. I can find her. And the child said, well, that's not my real mum. And they both looked at him and they said, well, what do you mean? And he looked at, at, at his mum and he said, but, but mummy, you know that my real mum is Paula. And so the seven-year-old white child grew up believing that I was his real mum. Didn't once, he knew I was black. He very much knew I was black. It's conversations that we'd had around him. But it never once entered his mind that I couldn't physically have been his mother. And so, you know, that is about education and, and allowing a child to be comfortable in their surroundings. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to pull up a stat. So I read a stat which said by three months of age, babies are already more comfortable with adults who have the same skin colour as their parents. So is it about familiarity? So, if that, um, you know, your godson had seen you like for his whole life. So then he was very, very comfortable with you and so comfortable that he thought that you were his real mum. Yeah. What, what can we do? What, you know, what should we be sort of, I don't know, what, what should we be actively doing so that we stop that as early as we possibly can? So what, what we want to do is, and, and, and let me ask this difficult question of, of, of you ladies, when you go to a um, toy store yeah, and your child says, I want a toy, I want a toy, I want a toy, and you go to the toy store and you say, okay, get that one. And I will lay money on it that you will pick up the toy that most reflects what you look like or Mm. who you are. And of course, that toy would then be white. Why is it that we don't just say, oh, well, what about that one? Oh, but what about that one? Um, You know, why don't we pick up the black doll more? Why is it that uh, Mattel felt very comfortable about telling us about 10 years ago that black dolls don't sell? They don't sell. Mm. Um, even the Teletubby, and you're, uh, forgive me, I don't know which one it is now, but which is the Teletubby that's of a, a darker complexion to the others, it didn't sell. You know? Well, even a few days ago, if you tapped in beautiful into Google, uh, it was white image after white image after white image. Really? That's Hor- interesting. Horrifying to see. But I mean, I, I can speak walking into a, a, into a toy store I, the one in Guildford where, where we live there aren't any black dolls in there yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, I don't I don't feel like the choice is there for us it's 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 almost like like we're going back to like an ill an inbuilt society which is saying but not saying that um that those the, the dolls of color are not available you know yeah. it's kind of like why are they not there as much as the white dolls 
Yeah. It, it's true. I mean, I do have to make an effort to purchase black dolls for my children. Yeah. I do have to go online. I can't yeah. just pop down to Kingston. I'm also in Surrey. Yeah. Yeah. I can't just pop down to, to, to Kingston um, and, and, and pick up a black Barbie. Um, but it, it is open to all of us yeah. to push for that. And so, Georgia, when you ask the question, you know, what do we do? What can we do? Yeah. We can very much find black literature online that doesn't say, um, because of course, it doesn't have to be about this is black literature, this is black literature. It's just about that there are characters that happen to be black. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, actually. I was going to say, is it, you know, should we be buying books for our toddlers that are, that are about race or should we just be buying books with lots of different characters in them so then they are familiar with all the different characters? With And then how do we bring that up? Absolutely. And I think then if you if you open your child's subconscious mind, you know, at the age of two, at the age of three, if they are constantly fed positive images of, you know, yeah. black people and people of other races, um, then they don't grow or they are not they don't allow those stereotypical views to then just embed in their brain at the same time they have those positive images as well of you know of black people and I says of other ethnic groups so when you look at black art when you look at you know the tv programs that you watch when you look at the computer games that you allow your children to play you know are, are you going to allow your children to play computer games where you know, the drug dealers or the prostitutes are mostly black and I think you know which one I might be referring to yeah. you know it, it, all of that kind of thing yeah. You would never allow that in normal life. And yet it can be glorified and even accentuated if it's, you know, for the purposes of a computer game or, or, or a film. So we'll be back right after this. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now, let's pick up where we left off with our wonderful guest. Should we be pointing out to our children, um, should we be saying to them, that is a... What, okay, first of all, what's the correct language? Is it a woman of colour or a black woman? That's such a great question. That's such a great question. Um, can I say that as a black woman, I'm never going to get it right? Because okay. even I have been pulled up by other black people who have suggested that I've used a term that was incorrect. So right. Zoe, Georgia, 
you're never going to get it right. right. Obviously, <laughs> stay away from the very, uh, you know, obvious insulting terms like the N-word, etc. But when you talk, I refer to myself as being black. Yeah. Um, if you refer to me as being a woman of colour, I, I certainly wouldn't mind and be insulted by it. But I, I, for me, I am just just say it. I don't. I yeah. think you need to be embarrassed about it. I don't think you need to be ashamed or hide away. And if you do say it, and you think somebody's insulted by it, say to them, "Oh, I'm I'm sorry. What, what would you prefer me to to call you, or what would you prefer me to refer to you as?" Yeah. You know, you challenge them. You get them to say to you, oh, "Well, hang on a minute. I wasn't happy with that." this is what I would prefer. Yeah, of course. And also, I guess it's the way someone says something as well, because if, I don't know, for instance, I, I was doing something wrong and someone called me a stupid white woman, I'd be offended. But if someone called me a beautiful white woman, I wouldn't yes. be offended. Yes, yes. <laughs> so it's the same it's, it's the same language, but it's just how, how you say it, isn't yeah, it, I guess? Absolutely. However, I have had uh, white men say to me, um, I had a man come up to me, uh, recently, uh, I was just walking down the street and he said to me, Oh, wow. Do you know what? You are so beautiful. And I went to say, Oh, thank you. You know, like all embarrassed and shy. And as I was about to say that, he said, it's such a shame you're black. And I told my husband, cause I was like, I wasn't sure if that was worse than the N word. Do you know what I mean? Because he genuinely yeah. thought he was being nice. I don't think for a second he thought he was being mean to me. I really what don't. What did you say back to him? I didn't. I just... <sighs> you were too shocked. Shook, yeah, I was yeah. just too shocked. Yeah, I was just too shocked. And and he'd walked off, you know, and I just kind of went, oh, my God, you know, and just kind of, as you do, just continued up the hill and kind of shrugged it off. But, you know, why are we even commenting why is it even it's not none of it should be derogatory it's got to be about supporting people I I feel like I am so confused as to why people still feel the need to do it I think I think the problem is and and us getting serious for one moment that we still have incidences like George Floyd occurring around us and that even after the tragic loss of of, of Stephen Lawrence at the hands of those racists and and the debacle that was the investigation that went into his murder, then we had the McPherson report in 1999, that we are still in this place where, you know, I can tell you that in 2020, as a black male, you're twice as likely to die in custody than your white male counterpart. I, you know, I can tell you that you are four 47 times more likely to be stopped by the police than your white counterpart. And yet we only make up 3.3% of the population. And so, you know, we're, we're still dealing with systemic racism. We're still dealing with um, uh, an issue that, quite frankly, has never properly been dealt with. No. Yeah. And so that, do you think that's just down to that instilled racial bias in, you know, I don't know, the police or, you know, whatever authority that is, is that, is that where it, is that where it comes down? Like, is that what it comes down to? I think it, I think it comes down to all of us. I think it comes down to all of us, once again, not being prepared to challenge what we hear and see because a lot of the time, uh, you know, thinking back over my 20 years of my career, I've, I've let things go. 
ladies, I haven't challenged things. I've yeah. had two particular instances where I was told to make a formal complaint and I didn't. Mm. I didn't because I wanted to get up the next day, go to work and get on with my life. Mm. Yeah. But it was easier for me to do that. Mm. So please don't think for a second that I do not understand that people want to forget about this now. Okay, okay, we've marched. Okay, okay, you've protested. But can we just forget about it now? And I promise I won't do it again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I totally get that because I am also uh, responsible for wanting to forget as well. But I just don't think we can afford to do that anymore. Um, Reggie Yates posted something on his Instagram, I think it was yesterday, saying, what do we do now? And what we do now is is how we change the future basically you know it's everybody posted the the black squares on Tuesday and we all we all want to do better but how do we do better and we have to start at the bottom which is our little ones which is our children we have to try and change the way their their minds work on it and what historically we've been kind of subliminally taught um so I feel like Georgia and I are really passionate about that I actually feel again a bit of anger that myself that I haven't brought more books of of different races into the house I just haven't done yeah. that I don't know why I haven't done that <laughs> but but then because you are coming of a, from a position of where for you race is not an issue mm. it's yeah. just not an issue so why do you feel the need to step out of the zone because that would be right it would be stepping out of the zone for you it's not something that you'd even have to consciously think about it's not you know whereas I have to consciously think about ensuring yeah. that my child understands that she can be a doctor, that she can be an astronaut, even though she doesn't necessarily see those pictures every day. She doesn't yeah. see those positive films every day. But, you know, it's my job to have to, to, to make sure that I impress upon her, her both of, both my girls, sorry, that that is a possibility. So... So I'm just going to like to talk about sort of my experience this week with Axel. So we're reading a book about Muhammad Ali and Axel loves boxing and he's fascinated by boxers and he's seen me and my husband, you know, like with the boxing pads and stuff in the garden and whatever. And he's kind of, he, he loves it. Do I bring up race to him and do I point out the difference between Muhammad Ali and me and what he, you know, and what he stood for and all that? Or is that too much for, you know, he's nearly four, is that too much for him to take on? Or or do I just start those conversations now? Because I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what to do. So I think I, I would have thought that Axel already knows that he looks different to mummy. And yeah. so, you know, and, I, and I'm not, and I'm, I'm not saying this lightly or to be facetious, please don't get me wrong. No, so, no, no, no. You know, Axel already knows that he doesn't look like that, that Muhammad Ali doesn't look like mummy or that yeah. he doesn't look like daddy. And so it's not something necessarily that you need to focus on. Yeah. Um, but it may be the case. So, and I'll give you a really good example. My, we were walking um, in Guildford and my um, nine year old, she's 10 now, but nine at the time saw a poster of a um, woman wearing a, a, a hijab, a Muslim woman, and that there were shadows uh, sh uh, shouting what were clearly not nice things, and the woman had a very sad face. And my daughter was looking at this picture, and, and she was like, she, she said to me, I don't understand this picture, mummy. What's, what's it advertising? I don't, I don't understand. What's it selling? And I was like, well, it's not selling anything. 
my darling it's it's explaining that you know if somebody's mean to you or horrible to you that you shouldn't tolerate it and that you should feel that you could go to the police and she still was looking at this picture because she was like well I, I I don't understand you could see on her little face I don't understand why why would they be shouting at her she's just you know she if she couldn't see that the issue of this Muslim lady looking different was something that would cause her to be, you know, harmed in such a way. And so I had to explain that to her that, you know, she looks different and she's uh, she she's dressed differently and she has a different religion to most of the people in this country, et cetera, et cetera. And that really stopped her in her tracks because it just hadn't crossed her mind that this is how some people would behave towards another. And it's that it's then that so when the topic arises, when the opportunity arises, yeah. don't shy away from discussing it. Don't try and fob them off because kids are good at recognizing. They've got that antennae that can recognize when they're being fobbed off. Yeah. Don't fob them off. Tell them what it is. Tell them how it feels. Tell them what's happened. Tell them why it's happened and what your opinion is about it. Yeah. One of your points in your article that you wrote for The Voice um, was about being brave and having the courage to have those conversations with your children. And I think um, I really I really liked, loved that, actually, that viewpoint that you were coming from and just kind of saying that, actually, it's okay to have those conversations. Like, don't shy away from them. The, these are really, really important ones. And if you want to sit down with your kids and start opening up the conversation, do we start saying that, you know, people look different to us or, and people, you know, my point is that we discuss different cultures with people, but when it comes to the way people look, we're not so easy, we're not so easy with it, are we? Yeah, yeah, very true. But, but, but as I said, you know, even from two, two and a half, we were already teaching our children to identify themselves and we're already teaching our children to recognize um, how their friend looks different to them, you know, in that drawing that family fit. What does your family look like? You know, that exercise in itself is an example of how we are teaching children to already notice the differences. So they know, they do know. And, and so I don't think we need to be fearful about that. And this whole being brave um, reference that I made in the article is because, you know, if you've ever been out to dinner or you've ever been in a public space, your children will ask the most embarrassing toe-curling questions <laughs> that they could possibly do or they will embarrass you in the most public of spaces. So, you know, your, your child could raise with you uh, about, oh, mummy, I, you know, this book and blah, blah, blah. And you say, oh, that's really nice because, oh, the character, the, it doesn't look like you. She's got black skin, doesn't she? And she has different hair. And the child will turn around and say to you, yeah, so, and you'll be like, oh, oh, well, do you have any any black friends? Mm, don't think so. But you don't either, mummy, do you? So it's all right. And, you know, well, where does that leave you? Because, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Do you have any black friends? Are you saying to your child subconsciously, well, I'm, I'm giving you this book, but actually it's not really who we are and it's not really how I want you to live. And yeah. so that's where these messages come from. It's not about the saying, it's actually about the doing. And we know that that's how children learn, that most of the lessons that children learn are from action rather than words. Um, I was just going to say that, I, uh, like, do, do you have any black friends, that, that statement? Obviously, for us in the UK, it really depends on where you live. You know, there are certain yeah. areas, inner city London, you know, where Georgia went to school, South London, you know, her class, you were saying earlier on, Georgia, predominantly black. Um, yeah, well, yeah, not, not, not just black, but, you know, lots of different races yeah. in West 
my secondary school. So really multicultural, um, really. And yeah. I, I went to a school down in Kent when I wasn't in Kenya. And I remember the first time um, a black child joined Abu, he became a really good mate of mine. But people were like, oh my gosh, we've got a black boy in our class. There is a black kid in our class. And people were like, oh my God, this was only in like 1996. <laughs> you know, but for us growing up in a predominantly white area, you know, I, yeah. at the time, I didn't even think about it. But when he came in, we were like, wow, teach us everything. We want to be met. Like it was, it was a big deal. So I think, you know, are you brought up in those circles where you're exposed to it or are you not? Or do you have to actively go out and search for, for a different culture and multicultural uh, set of friends? But the, I think the point is, though, is when you are asked that question or when that statement is thrown back at you, oh, but mummy, it's OK, because, you know, you don't have any black friends either. What's your response yes. going to be? To yeah. That? You know, why is it? And it might just be, well, there's no black people around here, is there? Or, you know, we don't live in a community where, where there's many black people. Do you think that I would have a black friend if I met one? You know, ask yeah. that, you know, so that this is about exploring but do you not see me as having black friends? You know, yeah. because this is what's the message that, again, yeah. that we're trying to get across. What? How does your child see you? Because, you know, children are remarkable at identifying very obvious things that we've done a very good job of pretending don't exist. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because we were both saying, weren't we, Zoe, like both of us right now live in predominantly white areas. And these are the areas where our kids are going to be going to school with probably mostly white kids so when do those when do we have the chance to have those conversations with them um if they don't if they don't see like if they don't see many black black kids they don't have many black friends how you know how are we going to have those conversations and I think that really helps like it's just it doesn't it's saying well what you know if if I if I met a a, a black lady would I not be friends you know would I be friends with her and it's it's that go to school like I don't want my kids to go to school in you know in a class of 30 where 29 of them are white like I want my children to be exposed to all different kinds of races and cultures. yeah and I you know I, I can't stand you know I'm not saying the name of the school but there's a school near here where my stepdaughter went and it was it was just you know blonde hair blue eyed children there wasn't any faces of color and, and I had a real problem with that because that was not my upbringing in Kenya and that's not kind of what I want for them. I want them to be exposed to all different sites but if they're not going to get it at their school they've got to get it from home yeah absolutely yeah absolutely and you know literature is great for that literature is a really easy simple uncontroversial way of getting um color into the life of your child without making it without flagging it up as this issue that you might be still uncomfortable with so you know there are fantastic um obviously authors of uh, of black and african um african sorry, black and African um, uh, origins who have written, you know, amazing books, but you don't automatically assume that the author's black. Well, you know, the minute that you give your child that 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 book and they say, oh, mummy, I really liked that book. Oh, daddy, I really like that book. Let's, let's get some more on this author. And then you flick through to the back and you see that the picture is of, of, a, of a black person and you read about their story and about their life and where they come from, etc. Again, it's just a really simple, easy way of expanding your child's exposure for want of a better word to you know other people that don't look like them sound like them or may have come from a lifestyle that they have Mm. yeah yeah well 
Oh, Paula, I, f- so, I, feel- I know yeah. there's so much to think about. <laughs> um, just, just quickly, um, in terms of books that we can start introducing into the home, uh, do you have any good pieces of literature that we could start introducing to to our kids? So, I think as an adult, because I, I did think about this question, yeah. and for me, children for uh, books for children, there is a lot out there. I mean, you can just Google it, um, yeah. and you're going to find so many um, that are relevant for children of all ages but the book that I wanted to recommend is is one that I have read and have really like I've gone back and read it over and over and over and over again is uh, a book called How to Argue with a Racist the author is Adam Rutherford and he is a scientist he's a geneticist and he essentially debunks all those stereotypes that we all grew up with and all had um, and he explains it in a scientific way and essentially leaves you thinking what why do racists exist because surely if everybody just read this book you would realize how idiotic the whole uh, concept of race and racism is and it really pushes you to kind of step back and look at your own beliefs and thoughts and feelings that you had yourself and that you never challenged because you just assumed well it must be right because that's what I've seen all along you know it's what I've grown up with Um, and this book really challenges you so yes I would definitely recommend how to argue with a racist Okay, brilliant. brilliant. I'm ordering thank that you. right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and speaking so honestly. And I, I really, I really appreciate it because you know, as we've said, sometimes it can be an uncomfortable conversation. But I feel like that wasn't, yeah. and I feel like no, going forward, we've got a real job to do. Well, I'm so honoured, ladies, for, to be on. So thank you so much. Wow. I mean, I'm so glad we had that conversation. I I really am I feel so much better equipped to have the conversations and also when those awkward instances occur I'll know what to say and I'll know that I'm saying well I guess I'm saying the right thing yeah and I think that's just a really amazing start point isn't it for us and for everybody that's listening we just got to keep having those conversations but she was amazing she's so educated and articulate and I just I love the fact that she sort of held her hands up and said you know what I get it wrong sometimes as well and I've said the wrong thing and I think it's all about like she said you know if you say something and you see some you know you might have offended you know you just turn around and say well you know I'm sorry if I've said something wrong what would you like me to say and I think that's a really good starting point have a bit more confidence with it as well Absolutely. And if our children, you know, if our children see us acting in that, in that way, we are bringing them up to be actively anti-racist and, you know, we'd be in a different position in 20 years time. I really hope so. I really hope so. Listen, thank you so much for listening today's, to today's podcast. As always, uh, you can rate, review and subscribe. And please, please, if you get a chance to give us a little five star when you're going in there to rate for us, that would be nice. Yes, please. And do drop us a message at Made by Mamas or on Zoe's own channel at Zoe Hardman. And we'll be back on Tuesday with another great episode. Have a fantastic weekend. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We know times are very difficult right now. And if you want any more information about coronavirus, go to nhs.uk slash coronavirus. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.